Hello, and welcome to the Partners for Access Rare Disease and Cell and Gene Therapy Weekly Roundup. I'm your host, Joanna Fernandez. Every week, we at Partners for Access will bring to you the most important news developments in the orphan drug cell and gene therapy world and what it means to you. This week, we are looking at the FDA's proposed plans to address the expected rise in cell and gene therapy product applications and the significant development in a new controversial procedure called Gene Drive. Let's start with the FDA announcements. The FDA recently announced its plans and initiatives in response to the increasing numbers of cell and gene therapies expected in the next six years. This will include dedicated staff increases, publishing new guidance, suggesting innovative trial designs, and increasing enforcement actions against non-compliant companies. There are 800 active cell and gene therapy investigational new drug applications currently on file with the FDA. The regulator expects this figure to rise by 200 per year until 2020. Based on pipeline assessments and clinical success rates of these products, the FDA foresees approving 10 to 20 cell and gene therapies per year by 2025. There have only been three successful cell and gene therapy products approved for the US market. These are Luxtana, Kimraya and Iscata, all of which have seen modest to no growth in their first year sales. Despite this, there have been multiple large-scale mergers and acquisitions in 2018 designed to increase the cell and gene therapy portfolios of Big Pharma. Novartis bought out Avexis, the gene therapy company, for $8.7 billion. Celgene acquired CAR T cell company Juno Therapeutics for $9 billion. And earlier this month, Bristol Myers Squibb announced intentions to merge with Celgene for $74 billion, thereby absorbing Juno's CAR T cell assets. Alliance for Regenerative Medicine, which represents cell therapy, gene therapy, and tissue engineering companies, announced that the sector raised $2.9 billion in venture capital in 2018, double that of the 2017 amount. Amidst the political turmoil in the US and the current government shutdown, the FDA is putting steps in place to adapt and thereby encourage this rise in innovation. The regulatory body intends to enlist an additional 50 clinical reviewers dedicated to assessing cell and gene therapy products. New guidance will be published focusing on helping manufacturers utilize the FDA expedited programs already in place. This includes the Regenerative Medicine Advanced Therapy designation and the Accelerated Approval Pathway. These pathways allow cell and gene therapies to reach the market faster and will ensure post-market follow-up studies are in place. These pathways allow cell and gene therapies to reach the market faster and will ensure post-market follow-up studies are in place to evaluate the durability and safety of the therapies. In 2018, 7% of the FDA-approved novel drugs had accelerated approval, and 58% had orphan designation. Clinical guidance documents will also be issued focusing on specific therapeutic areas that cell and gene therapy products often target. For example, inherited blood disorders and neurodegenerative diseases the FDA also plans to introduce a proposed innovative trial design, which will allow individual researchers to pool their clinical data following a common manufacturing protocol. This will result in more robust data set when applying for marketing approval. 
specifically focusing on CAR-T therapies. The FDA plans to recommend clear parameters for how developers can introduce minor manufacturing changes to avoid the need for additional, costly bridging clinical investigations. Finally, the FDA intends to increase enforcement actions against companies operating outside regulatory compliance, especially those whose products pose significant safety concerns to patients. It will investigate those who do not respond to FDA requests for dialogue. Now on to Nadam Murad, who will tell us about gene drive. Today I'd like to touch on a story which is slightly different to our usual commercial news topics. On January the 23rd, the Guardian newspaper ran a story on the back of a publication in Nature about a controversial procedure known as gene drive. Um, according to the story, gene drive can spread selected genes through an entire wild species, and this procedure has been demonstrated in mammals for the first time. So what is a gene drive? A gene drive basically biases the transmission of one of the two copies of a gene, such that it's inherited more frequently than by random segregation. The idea behind this technique is to edit targeted genes of a species in the lab and then release the animal into the wild where it spreads that gene throughout its population. The result will depend on the function of that gene and the intent of the editing. Let's first focus on the benefits of this technology. The importance of, uh, of applying gene drive in mammals is that it allows us to study multigenetic human diseases such as cancer in a more comprehensive manner and understand how different mutations that drive a cancer affect each other. Gene therapies, for example, have become a clinical reality, but so far are only targeting monogenetic diseases. This technique can significantly speed up the development of therapies aimed at rectifying multiple genes while minimizing the associated safety risks. Now, gene drive is not a new technique. In fact, scientists have already applied it in mosquitoes in an effort to eradicate diseases such as malaria, dengue, and more recently, Zika virus as well, which are responsible for millions of deaths around the world every year. In this case, they tinkered with a gene that plays an integral role in the reproductive process of the insect, which resulted in subsequent generations not being able to reproduce. The rationale is eradicate the carrier, get rid of the disease. But hang on a second, there's a catch. More accurately, there's a catch, but we don't know what it is. And that's the scary part. We certainly do know that sometimes when a seemingly insignificant organism goes extinct, the knock-on effect up and down the food chain is huge and cross-species symbiotic relationships are practically destroyed. Mosquitoes are also pollinators and removing them from the global ecosystem can have unintended con consequences. Another risk is the potential for misuse, or should I say the reckless approach of some scientists in experimenting with such technologies. Only a few months ago, we heard about a scientist in China who announced that they, uh, they had successfully created the first gene-edited babies. And regulatory authorities in China were very quick, and rightfully so, to take legal action against them. Also, think of the wonders that 3D printing can do for prosthetics or other medical devices. Yet some people have thought about uploading blueprints on the internet for making a DIY weapon at home. Having said that, I don't think that the reckless behavior of a few should be allowed to stand in the way of allowing such technologies to see the light of day, especially considering the amount of promise they hold for developing healthcare and speeding up innovation in healthcare, which is very much needed these days. And that's it for this week. For more news and analysis, go to our website, 
www.partnersforaccess.com. P4A is starting a campaign that will run throughout February to mark Rare Disease Day. P4A's managing partner, Sophie Schmitz, is here to tell us more. I'm delighted to talk today about our 6P initiative. Our 6P initiative is something that we're going to be starting next week in support of Rare Disease Day. And I think probably our, our readers will be aware of Rare Disease Day. Um, just, just to explain for those that, that don't know anything about it, the idea of this, uh, the main objective at least, is to raise awareness about rare diseases and, and the impact that it has on the patient and the broader society. Now, why are Partners for Access uh, involved in this? Well, obviously, um, we work in, in the field of rare diseases. And what Partners and Access are, are, are really all about is, is striking an equilibrium in that rare disease world. I'm sure that people are aware as well about this figure of 7,000 um, identified rare diseases. It's very well known. But if you put that into the context of only 400 of those diseases having licensed treatments, all of a sudden you realise that that equilibrium does not exist. And maybe it's, it's worthwhile just talking a little bit about what, what do I mean when I talk about the equilibrium? It's a sense of balance that you have, a sense of balance with all the different stakeholders that exist in, in the rare disease world. Um, certainly, I don't think we have an equilibrium today. Uh, we still have patients that don't have access to drugs. Um, if, you, if you think about the number of children that are born with an inherited genetic disease, 30% of those children will actually die before they reach the age of five. So clearly there is need there. Um, you speak to payers, they don't have sufficient budgets to fund orphan drugs. And certainly um, if we look at politicians, they are uh, struggling to be able to make policies that work, um, such as the cross-border healthcare directive for gene therapies, um, certainly if we look at access across Europe. So all in all, um, from an equilibrium perspective, it's not something that we're achieving today. And that's really part of why we want to have the 6P initiative. So you're probably thinking, well, what is this 6P uh, initiative? So, so let me uh, let me explain. Um, there, there are six P's obviously involved. And the first one of those is the patient, which is, is critical for this. The second is the policymaker. The third is the physician. The fourth is the payer. We have pharma, uh, pharmaceutical industry, and then last partnership as well, which is critical and an essential element to be able to get all of those P's to work together. So I'm delighted to be able to tell you that we're going to be having a series of activities throughout um, the next few weeks. We're going to be having blogs, various different social media activities, and certainly in terms of our podcast, we're going to be asking one representative from each of those P's that will be sharing their thoughts um, and why Rare Disease Day is so important. Subscribe to our podcast from iTunes and do share your thoughts in the comment section. See you next week.